Section 23 of Roman History, the Early Empire by William Wolfe Capes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 14, Life in the Provinces. The Republic had bequeathed to the imperial government the greatest possible variety of political conditions throughout the different provinces. As in personal status, there were many intermediate positions between slavery and full Roman citizenship. So there were as many stages of privilege and power between a humble village community and the mistress city. During her long period of conquest, Rome had never tried to act on any uniform system. As state after state had been annexed, she allowed the conquering general, with the help of a commission or instructions from the Senate, to define the political conditions of the country and to lay down the lex provincii the object of this was mainly to fix the amount of tithe and tribute to map out the countries newly won into assize districts for the courts of justice and to give or to withhold special privileges in the case of those who had been most marked as friends or foes but the roman statesmen were always tolerant of local customs and had no wish for uniformity of system they broke up indeed the political unions or federations which had been strong and might still be dangerous but they respected the old forms of national life and let their subjects manage their affairs for the most part as they pleased each country lived its separate life with varying usages that had been slowly shaped in the course of ages and every part of it enjoyed a large measure of self-government where the towns were all important as in states affected by greek and latin culture there the old names and institutions lingered undisturbed in gaul the tribes kept something of their federal character and the old name for the capital of each union outlived in many cases the one of roman origin as that of the remi lives on still in Reims. in egypt the political unit was the nome and the laws of ptolemy were still respected as those of Hiero were in Sicily. The old Greek names of Archon and Demarch often lingered on, beside the official titles that were of Latin source. The cities of the highest rank were Coloniae or Municipia, whose citizens had either carried with them to new homes or enjoyed by special boon the privileges of the full Roman franchise. To this class belonged all the towns in Italy and Sicily, and some few in the provinces next in order came the towns of latin rite unconnected usually with the latin race but promoted to the rank which rome's nearest neighbours and allies had once enjoyed here and there too were privileged cities enjoying by the bounty of rome the rights of freedom and immunity from taxes as guaranteed by special treaty and called on that account free or federate cities below these came the mass of stipendiary towns subject to tax and tithe at the discretion of the roman rulers but administered by their own magistrates and little meddled with by the central government around such of these were often grouped a number of villages cantons hamlets called by various names and more or less dependent on the central town of whose territory they formed a part and by whose magistrates they were administered sometimes too wilder mountain regions were annexed in this way to the nearer towns 
through which a civilizing influence might be brought to bear upon their ruder neighbors in general however there was no marked distinction between town and country life as landowners and farmers were grouped together for mutual defence and lived within easy reach of the community whose civil rights they shared the ancient writers seldom speak directly about social life in any town but rome it lay outside the plan of formal history its details were too well known to call for comment and the national comedy which must have thrown most light upon it is now lost to us the literary men could not live happily save in the capital though juvenal speaks with bitterness of the trials of the poor client's life yet he still trudged wearily about the streets to pay his court to his rich patrons and kept his garret rather than move to the healthy country towns where life was cheap marshall spent thirty years of meanness as a needy parasite of fashionable circles catering for their appetite for scandalous talk and selling for a paltry dole his wit his gaiety and his licentious fancy and when he went at last to his little town in spain whose calm he had long sighed for he spoke of it with disgust and weariness and longed to be back at rome again statius again grew tired of the city where in spite of his poetic fame he could only get a miserable pittance by dwelling on the virtues of domitian and he determined to go back to his native naples but his wife was deaf to all his praises of the country and preferred the suburra and the crowded streets to the baths of baiae and the beauties of the charming bay we cannot expect therefore to find in these writers much about the course of that provincial life which was so distasteful to them our knowledge on the subject is drawn mainly from the inscriptions on stone and bronze of which so many have been found in different countries from this source we may trace the efforts made to regulate the condition of the municipia and fix some uniform principles for the government of the most favoured communities throughout the empire thus fragments have been found of what was probably the lex iulia municipalis passed to regulate the choice of town councils and their magistrates two other laws found near malaga a few years back date from domitian and go still more into detail about the constitutional features of the spanish towns from which they take their names and a third discovered still more recently in the same country has furnished further evidence much may be learnt also from the funeral inscriptions though indeed we should not glean much information of the kind from the graveyards of our own times but the old epitaphs seldom fail to note the local titles and honours of the dead and tell us much incidentally of the nature of their rank and offices that would be otherwise unknown to us to these two must be added the formal eulogies the votes of honour the thanks offerings and words of dedication the records of the guilds and corporations which after being buried from sight and thought for ages have been found in course of time in a rapidly increasing store a whole city too pompeii has risen from the grave to show us not merely the houses and the streets in which men lived and died under the early empire but the words even which their hands had traced sometimes in stately inscriptions on their public monuments sometimes in advertisements roughly sketched upon the walls sometimes in the scribblings of schoolboys or the careless scrawls by which the idle whiled away their time and wrote out 
for all to read the history of their jests and loves and hates in the towns of the highest class the powers of administration were vested in a few magistrates who held office only for a year the chief of these filled the place of the consuls or praetors of old times and were styled from their judicial functions duumviri iuri dicundo being also presidents of the town councils below them were the two aediles who as at rome had a variety of police functions and the care of the streets markets and public monuments sometimes the comprehensive term quatuor viri iuri dicundo was used to include both of the classes above named there were also in the larger town two quaestors to be treasurers of the public funds and control the statements of accounts it was usual to take the census every five years throughout the empire and in the days of the republic it had been the duty of the censors to preside over the work and to carry it through with becoming ceremony and religious pomp the emperor took the censors place at rome and no special officers or commissions were appointed for the purpose in the provinces but the duumvirs of the year were charged to make all the entries of personal and real estate within the course of sixty days and to send copies of the registers to the central record office to mark the importance of the functions the honorary term of quinquinalis was added to the official title of the duumvir and as such appears often on the funeral inscriptions it was the more prized as it carried with it also the duty of drawing up the list of the town councillors as the censors had to do for the roman senate the council or ordo decurionum consisted of the ex-magistrates and others of local dignity and wealth subject only to a few conditions stated in the municipal laws that have been found such as those which shut out from office convicted thieves and bankrupts or men engaged in trades regarded as discreditable like the gladiator auctioneer and undertaker a minimum age and income was also fixed but it was one that varied at different times and places a lucky accident has preserved for us the album decurionum or roll of the town council in two different cases at the head we find a number of titular patroni for it was the usage of the towns to connect themselves if possible with members of influential families at rome who might watch over their interests and also to confer the honorary name on the most eminent of the local notabilities at the end of the register came the names of some praetextati or young men of high family who were allowed to be present at the meetings of the council and train themselves for public life by hearing the debates the councillors themselves managed most of the affairs of public interest voted their local taxes controlled the expenditure of their funds made grants for public buildings conferred honours immunities and pensions and watched over the ceremonials of religion but the popular assemblies of the citizens had not yet as at rome become a nullity in the inscriptions we can still read of the votes that had been passed with the approval of the people the municipal laws of the two spanish towns which may be fairly taken as types of the whole class give full details of the mode in which the magistrates were named in public and voted for openly in all the city wards the election placards posted on the houses of pompeii show 
that the popular contests were very real and the excitement strong at times even the women longed to air their sympathies and though they could not vote they scrawled the names of their favourite candidates upon the walls sometimes party spirit was carried to such dangerous lengths that the emperors were called upon to interfere and name a special prefect to take the place of the magistrate who could not be chosen peacefully if these municipal offices were hotly coveted it was only for the honour and not for any substantial advantages which they carried with them their holders received no salaries as did the agents of the imperial government nor had they lucrative patronage at their disposal their main privilege was rather that of ruining themselves to please the citizens they had first to pay a sort of entrance fee on taking office they had to regale the populace on the day after their election with at least cake and wine and often with more costly fare the town councillors too expected a state dinner on a lordly scale a present of varying amount was looked for by the members of every guild and corporation and often by the citizens in general the people grumbled bitterly if they were not amused by shows of gladiators or well-appointed plays to secure re-election it was often needful to spend great sums on public works such as roads aqueducts and temples and finally to win the gratitude of future generations men often willed away large sums the interest of which was to feed amuse or shelter for all time the citizens of the favoured town in the less privileged communities throughout the provinces there was more variety of conditions for the old institutions lasted on with the same names and many of the same forms as before the roman conquest the agents of the central government had a larger control over their actions especially in matters of finance and jurisdiction and their consent was needed in all questions of moment but they were too few in number to look much into details and the towns retained everywhere a large measure of self-government municipal freedom prevailed perhaps more widely than at any other period local senates met in council magistrates were chosen by popular election and patriotism though confined within narrow range was still intense the inscriptions which are found in every part of the old roman world as well as the ruins of the great works which here and there are left show us how real and widespread was the public spirit the citizens vied with each other in their outlay for the public good temples aqueducts baths theatres guild halls triumphal arches rose on all sides not at the expense of the whole society but by the beneficence of the wealthy and the generous augustus set the example first and urged his friends and courtiers to make a show of munificence in public works and other emperors were anxious to add to the pomp and brilliancy of the imperial regime the wealthy and the noble copied the fashion of the day which spread from rome to the furthest provinces from the city to the village but the spirit of imitation reached much further roman life was a centre of attraction for the world and exerted a levelling and centralising influence before which local usages and manners passed rapidly away the ruder races were drawn irresistibly toward the customs of their conquerors their own chiefs tried in vain to check the movement roman pride put barriers in their way and agreed at times to refuse the franchise and the speech of italy to the newcomers but in vain 
the leaven of the roman culture spread among them and their national usages and laws and even their language tended rapidly to disappear the wiser emperors respected jealously the local liberties and traditions and had no wish in the first century at least to carry out a uniform system but roman influence spread through many channels the legions as they passed along the roads or remained encamped upon the frontier acted on the men with whom they were in daily contact the traders who followed in their train carried with their wares the speech thought and customs of the central city the governors and financial agents who came direct from rome brought the newest fashions with them to dazzle the higher circles of the country towns and gave the tone to social intercourse the journals of rome or acta as they were called were read in far-off provinces the latest epigram passed from mouth to mouth the finest passages of the orators of note the latest poems of a marshal travelled either in the governor's train or were dispatched in regular course of trade as literary wares to the provincial booksellers as at rome the lower orders soon learnt to expect amusements ready-made looked to the wealthy and munificent to give them shows and costly spectacles and grumbled at their magistrates if they were not liberal enough or if they seemed to think too much of what they gave but commonly they were ready with their thanks and if the largesse had been generous and if the gladiators died with becoming grace the grateful people passed a vote of thanks or made the consul pass it decided to erect a statue in their benefactor's honour but as the inscriptions tell us often let him pay for it himself liberalities such as these must have materially lightened the expenses of local government with no salaries for the chief officials and no costly civil service to keep up no schools nor paupers to maintain out of the rates and with so many examples of munificence among the citizens the burdens of municipal taxation could not have been heavy the towns had commonly some revenues from lands or mines or forests religion was endowed with its own funds and the claims of the imperial treasury were moderate at the end of the republic the burdens caused by war and confiscation the merciless exactions of the governors and the cancer of usury had spread bankruptcy and ruin throughout the provinces but in the course of the first century of the empire peace and order and settled rule had caused a widely diffused comfort the freedom of self-government secured contentment and public spirit feeble as it seemed in the ruling city was lively and vigorous elsewhere the great boon of the imperial system to the world was the higher conduct of its agents as compared with that of the proconsuls and proprietors of the republic they were paid high salaries directly from the state they needed not to ruin themselves by bribery and shows to win their places they were watched by a financial agent of the government and liable to a strict account at rome before the emperor who had no interest like their peers in their acquittal it is true that if we think only of the numerous cases of extortion and misrule which we meet with in the pages of tacitus we may believe there is little proof of better things but the evidence of juster rule is real and solid oppression had been scarcely thought a stain upon the characters of the statesmen of the republic but now even the sensualist and debauchee often seems to change his character when he is weighted with the responsibilities of office 
petronius otho and vitellius redeem in part the infamy of earlier days by their clean-handed integrity in the purer air of the provincial government the very frequency of the trials for misrule which may startle us at first is in itself a proof of the watchfulness of the central power which was as vigilant with domitian as with augustus the abuses of ages could not be swept away at once and it must have needed time and vigour to convince men that the empire was in earnest in the matter the provincials themselves soon recognised the difference and their literature speaks far more strongly on the subject than the roman philo the alexandrian josephus the jew of palestine strabo the geographer of pontus plutarch the greek epictetus the phrygian philosopher bear emphatic witness to the higher spirit of equity and moderation in their rulers countries not long subjected show no wish to assert their freedom though the legions stationed in their midst are mainly recruited from their own inhabitants and become fixed to the soil which they defend and strangers to the emperor whose name they bear the results too speak loudly for themselves the impoverished cities of asia raised themselves at once when the incubus of the republican governors was removed there as in other countries the inscriptions abound in evidence of real prosperity the cities adorned themselves with stately buildings the rich no longer afraid to show their wealth used it with lavish generosity trade flourished once more when the roads were cared for and brigandage and piracy put down commercial guilds spread themselves over the world and even the provident unions of the humblest classes gained a recognition and a sanction from the state men looked only at the present and forgot that there were no guarantees of permanence in the municipal freedom and happiness now enjoyed no lasting gain in the absorption of so many distinct centres of national culture nothing to give dignity and independence to the provinces as the federal or national unions had done no security that the cautious easy and tolerant government of the present would not be gradually changed into the grinding machinery of a centralized despotism they thought of their material blessings and forgot the moral qualities that should make them lasting they looked back with a feeling of relief at the turbulence of former days at the evils done and suffered in the name of liberty and felt with dion chrysostom our fathers fought as they believed for freedom but really for a phantom of the fancy like the trojans who fought in defence of helen when she was no longer within their walls thus it was in no mean spirit of flattery that they raised in every land statues and altars to the emperors to some even of the vilest who have ever ruled of their personal characters they often knew but little and though dark stories of what had passed at rome may have circulated a while among the higher classes in the provinces yet the people knew next to nothing of their vices and their follies and thought of them chiefly as the symbol of the ruling providence which throughout the civilized world had silenced war and faction and secured the blessings of prosperity and peace before unknown End of section twenty three